and non-striving, like non-striving, like for crying out loud, let's, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, I'm, I'm running through nine provinces across Canada, right? 7,159 kilometers. And, you know, I get done four provinces and I get to the biggest province, which is Ontario. And now in, in Canada, we, when you enter into a province along the Trans-Canada Highway, they have these kilometer markings that you know, count down or up how many kilometers you have remaining until you get to the next provincial border, right? Oh. And so the very first kilometer marking that I see after traveling across four provinces is 2,180 kilometers. Hey everyone, how you all doing? My name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. We have Dave Proctor with us this week. If you don't already know Dave, why not check out episode 98 where we dive into the Backyard Ultra. Almost three years later, we are touching base again, this time to discuss the trials and tribulations of breaking the land speed record of running the 7,100 and crazy 59 kilometers across Canada. In just 67 days with an average of 105 to 106 kilometers a day, with a consistent daily finishing time of around 10 to 11 hours, this totally blows my mind and has to be one of the most outstanding ultra running achievements of our era. Dave doesn't disappoint as he shares his methods of dealing with the pain, fueling strategies, the highs during the challenge and the lows that follow. As you know, I'm not one for lengthy introductions, so it's with great pleasure I give you the master himself, Dave Proctor. You know, you had a broken foot. How are you able to run through that? Your mind was set on that focus and that goal and that target. Yeah. Well, you know, and then is there, there's that one thing I might even bring this up during the, the, you know, the recording, but like, you know, that, you know, we, we always put, you know, survival over top of reward, you know, our, our minds. And so like we're survivalists, that's what we are, you know, that's why we're the dominant species on this planet. And we always, always, always put survival over reward. So we turtle right? Whenever something becomes hard, but it's a lie. You know, every message that's being told to you and that you believe yourself is, is not, is another lie, right? You start working out of what you believe to be true for yourself. Though. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's what you have to be careful of. It can be positive or it can be negative. And most know? of the time it's negative because that's what we feed off of. Right. But like, you know, and, and even during my run, you keep thinking about like the messaging and, and, and what I believe to be true. And, you know, there's so many opportunities out there to, to take an exit off the highway and just be like, yeah, I'm done. Because, you know, the idea of like you're a thousand kilometers in, you've got over 6,000 kilometers left to go and you've already got a broken foot and like all that stuff. And you're like, you know, it's so easy to, to go, yeah, no, this is, this is enough. Cause it is enough, right? If you went for a thousand kilometer run, it's enough, but, but it's not, cause it's not what you set out to do, right? You, uh, you know, little, little bites. It's a very difficult thing as well, because you know, it means so much to yourself. Yeah. But in the modern day world, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, then everybody's forgot about it. So whether you finish or not, it doesn't really matter. Well, you yeah. know, I, I know it does matter to you, no. to you greatly. Oh, no, but it, but it doesn't, uh, but it really doesn't. Like we're, we're, on, we're on this spinning, you know, piece of rock that's orbiting a, an earth or a, a sun and there's billions of suns and, you know, we're traveling at such a speed in outer space, you know, and do my, you know, concerns and worries in the moment really matter? Like, seriously. Come on. You know, the fact that, you know, the price of, of ground beef has gone up in the grocery store, relax. Like, and the same thing goes for, you know, that blister or whatever is going on in your, so it doesn't really matter. But what matters is, is, is just whatever you make matter to you in the moment of like, well, I could take one more step or I can take one more breath and, and then you do, and then you're okay. 
so that opens the door to how it all started to begin with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the big question, why? Because um, last time you were on the episode, you did have a failed attempt in 2018. Just for those that are listening, maybe you didn't hear episode 98. So Dave um, broke the record, hmm. um, the trans-Canadian record. So I better get this right. 7,159 kilometers in 67 days. Hmm. Like, wow. Hmm. That is it's mind-blowing, isn't it? And it's great... When it happened, I was so looking forward to this episode because mm. um, even back in the day and when we'd done the first podcast, I was so looking forward to this episode because you're a bit of a stubborn mule. I think that <laughs> stamped being onto you. You knew that's it was going to happen. That's a good way of putting it. Absolutely. Um, so wh- where did it all spark from? What, what gave you the idea of actually attempting this crazy sort of yeah. magical journey? Yeah, so I don't know. I've been running kind of ultra marathons for the last 17 years. And, you know, I've just always been intrigued by further and faster or harder or hillier or or whatever, right? I think that's kind of what all endurance sport is all about is is the interest in, in more. And so, yeah, I don't know. I Years ago, I used to think, oh, I'm a 100-kilometer runner, you know, 50-mile, 100-kilometer runner. And then I started, you know, running 100 miles and started, you know, learning the craft of, of, of endurance. Not that 100 kilometers isn't endurance, but, you know, and then I started doing better. And I find I found that, you know, instead of focusing more on, on training, the physiological training and all that stuff, there's, there's a lot more when it comes to kind of mindset and, and you know, what, what, what serves you and what do you take into the, to, to the vault with you? Um, and what, what do you leave outside? And so, you know, over the years, I started doing better at 24 hour, 48 hour and 72 hour races. And, and I ended up always in the back of my mind having this idea of Al Howie back in 1991. Um, most people don't know this guy. If you do know this guy, you're like, oh my goodness, this guy's like a nut. He's, he's a nut bar. And he ended up running across Canada in 72 days and in, in, in 10 hours and 23 minutes. And that's the fastest, furthest run in human history. Um, you know, mostly because it's the second wow. biggest country in the world. I mean, Russia's bigger, but I, I don't think there's any roads in the east and and heaven forbid trying to do it right now. And so, you know, I, I always thought about this trans-Canadian speed record as being one of these things that was just like mythical. It was like a god who did this and nobody will ever, ever do this again. And, you know, over my career, I, I, I started breaking Al's running records and, and things. And you were like, huh, okay, well... But yet, yeah, still at 72 days and 10 hours mark across the country from St. John's to Victoria in Canada, it's it's undoable until one year that I, you know, I don't know, there was like a moment where you were like, well, maybe, maybe I could consider this. And so it became my life the last six years. That's all I can think about. I wake up in the morning, I go to bed at night, trans-Canadian, trans-Canadian, trans-Canadian. And... Um, yeah, you know, it, it just came from a dream. Uh, you know, I've got this app on my phone that sends me, te- you know, five text messages every day reminding me that I'm going to die. And I want to live in this life. I want to, I want to take. I, I tell people that story all the time, by uh, the way. That's funny. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I always tell people, I've got this friend, you know, well, he has this app on his phone. It's like a Buddhist type of app, like mm-hmm. uh, thing where it sends you a reminder like, what? I says, well, actually, no, but if you think about it. Yeah. It's just it's just making you realize you're not here forever to take the best yeah. that you possibly can when you're here and now. Yeah, yeah. and that's exactly it. It is. It's, it's pretty cool. Like. Well, yeah. You know, if you're not if you're not living, then you're getting closer to death. You know, you're existing, and so it reminds you when you think about your own mortality. It reminds you that okay, you get one chance at this. You get to 
to give it a go and so get up and, and do something and you know like you know in canada we have this this great hero wayne gretzky you know greatest hockey player to ever ever live and he he has a famous quote where he says you know, you miss 100 percent of the shots you never take and so take the shot um and you know you're 72 days and 10 hours across you know 100 kilometers a day for 72 days in a row that that's a big shot you know there's a better likelihood that it's not going to work out and so back in 2018 i gave it a go um i ended up only one third of the way across the country with a herniated disc in my back and i came to realize that this is a hell of a lot harder of a task than than i i i thought um and that if i was going to give it a go which you kind of always knew that you would right but if you're going to give it a go, you're going to have to make a very different approach and really kind of sharpen your knife, which I always thought that my knife was pretty sharp at that time. Now I know it wasn't. There's always growth in the sport. And so, yeah, you know, four years later, uh, it was supposed to happen two years later, back in 2020, um, but COVID, right? Yeah, if the Major League Baseball and the NBA and soccer and everything gets canceled, well, guess what? Your thing is getting canceled too, right? And then the next year, COVID was still happening. And so 2022, that was it. So were you, you were in good form then at the beginning when the lockdown came? You were ready for it then? I was ready. Um, I was eager. I was ready. I was, I was fit, as fit as you could be getting in, going into something like this. And so, you know, it happened. And then, you know, I had all this pent-up energy, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, like, let's, let's. And so then, of course, COVID happened and the lockdown happened. And then I got together with a couple of my friends who were planning out this run across Canada. And um, we were like, hey, let's go do something big. And so we end up, you know, from the ground up with com uh, from concept to completion. It was within two weeks we created that uh, Quarantine Backyard Ultra. And so it was pretty rad. We ended up having like thousands of runners on Zoom, which you were like, oh, God, that's terrifying. Um, like... That's the biggest meeting. That was mad. Oh, it was it was terrifying. It was like a like the biggest meeting ever, right? And so it, within the first twelve hours of us talking about things, I said, "Okay, guys, I'm going to send out emails to all the best runners in the world and just be like, hey, yeah, I think I can kick your ass. I know you think you can kick mine. Let's do this in two weeks uh, on on the internet." And and everybody was like, "Yes," and we we're like, "Oh God, this is happening." And so you end up creating that that pool, and then from there it was and it was a free event. So everybody was running in their living rooms and backyards and neighborhoods all throughout the world. It was I think it was like fifty one countries were were, were were represented. It was insane. It was so fun. Do you know how many people? How many people in total? Oh, I forget now. It was like three thousand or so, but it was it was a good number. And thank goodness it wasn't any bigger because you know every time it grew, you were like, okay, this, there's more chance for this to not work out. Right, you know, <laughs> it was quite amazing. That it did. Yeah, oh, yeah. On that was it, Mike. Yeah, was Mike Wardian. Oh yeah, yeah. Michael Wardian ended up winning. Yeah, yeah. Michael Wardian ended up winning that. Yeah, and so that was that kind of controversial end with he and Radek, and um, and so yeah, no, it was it was spectacular and it was fun. It was a lot of work, but it was like it was it was it was so totally. Do you know what I love? Do you know what I love about stuff like this? Um, the word I've got in my head is energy. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Because that's what it is. It's, it, energy is a very real external thing as well, isn't it? You know, or uh, external and internal, but it builds momentum. Mm. And that's exactly what that did. And it's the same as um, your latest world record. You know, as you're going along that journey, it just 
builds momentum of energy. It doesn't, and you know people that are doing fantastic things all around the world mm-hmm. and do all these events themselves, especially the personal events. And it just draws everybody in, doesn't it? Like, well, yeah, and it's such a pos- positive energy. I couldn't agree more. And I think that, you know, I think that there's a real power in the world when it comes to people going, yeah, let's do it. Why not? You know, because like, you know, why not? And why not? You know, like the world's your oyster. Again, go back to that app that we were talking about. You know, you get to do this once or maybe, you know, who knows, we die and reincarnate into a a cat or or something and we get to do it twice. But but best I know, you get to do this once. And so why not? Why not give it a go? And why not say yes to things? Um, Depend. That doesn't matter how big or how small, like I'm looking at my sink today and I've got to put in a garbage or a waste disposal. I'm like, okay, I'm more, I'm, I'm more intimidated by that than I am about running across the country. But you know, I've got definitely a skill set in one and not the other, right? So logistically, it sounds like a nightmare to me. Hmm. There's a lot of planning involved in, yes. in sort of creating something like that, like where you're going to stay, how you're going to pick up food, shoes, mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. after your body. There's so much because we're talking over two months here. You yeah, know, it's not like yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a lot. So, do you sit down beforehand, um, plan as much as you can, or do you do do you wing much of it, or well, how does that happen? Yeah, it's a bit of a long story because yes and no, Robbie. Yes and no. So, four years ago, uh, when I attempted to run across Canada, that was way, way bigger and way more complex than this time because that time we had a national awareness campaign for rare disease. You know, uh, we were, our fundraising goal of a million dollars. Uh, we and we we were nailing it. Like we made it big. Like we were we were huge. Um, now, to be honest with you, it was way too big. You can't you know run a hundred kilometers a day for whatever and put on a national awareness campaign. Anybody who does that, I'm thinking like, okay, that's unreal. Too much because it's just too much. You can't. I was on the phone all day every day when I was running on the road doing all the logistics and all the planning yet yet alone feeding myself and sunscreen and lube and all the things that you need to do and so to be honest with you this time in 2022 it was a lot more simple even though it was complex for most people i was like oh my goodness like this is so easy so simple because only because we only we end up creating so much complexity before in 2018 that when we dwindled it down and and it's a bit of a long story and we we could get to that in a bit later but too but i think that one of the main reasons why it didn't work in 2018 and it did work in 2022 was simply because of the reason why you're doing it and i in 2018 i ended up creating this national awareness campaign and, and a fundraiser for rare disease my son has a rare disease um and it created so much complexity that when I got up in the morning and I started running, I wasn't running for me. I was, I was running for a nation mm. and, and a group of people that were affected by rare disease. And this was huge, right? And so I feel, felt like I needed to get up and run. This time around in 2022, there was no awareness campaign. There was no fundraising. It was simply because me, I wanted this as a personal goal. And I told all my sponsors about this in advance and they were like, hey, cool, just go do it. And so I got up in the morning and the reason why I got out of bed was simply because I wanted to go for a jog for me. And that made all the difference in the world. So mm-hmm. to circle back to the complexities, um, it, yeah, you're right, Robbie, it, it, it's intense. But I also believe in the leadership style of Ubuntu. You know, back during apartheid in, in South Africa, you know, leadership took on this term called Ubuntu. And it's a, it's a term in African 
in, in Africa where it means I am because we are. And you end up developing a leadership style of people around you that this is not my Trans-Canadian speed record. This was all of theirs. And everybody bought in and this was theirs. And I can, only, I can only be great if you guys are great and, and, and you guys are going to be great and then I'll be great. You don't have to worry about me over here and I don't have to worry about you over there. And so I ended up having a team around me that treated me like a child, um, treated me like an infant. And basically, I didn't even know where we were staying at night. I didn't know what we were eating. I didn't know anything. But all I knew was I had this group of people around me that would go to hell and back for me. And they destroyed it. They crushed, you know, all the logistics, all the planning, all the everything. And they were like, Dave, just go for a run. I was like, oh, I could do that. And so it was quite fun for me um, to go out for, for a jog every day, not knowing and not worrying about the the planning and the, the complexities. And as well, too, you know, like my crew chief, my girlfriend, Lana Ray, um, you know, is probably the most detail-oriented, organized person you'll ever meet. And so you knew that everything was planned to a detail. Oh, and it was it was spectacular. And even if something was a little bit a little bit off, you knew that it couldn't have been any better. Yeah, you know, it's pretty spectacular. Going into it then, so that that took that worry away from you. Then all you had to worry about was the actual, not even worry. All you had to do was enjoy the process mm-hmm. of actually getting to run every day, because that's quite a privilege as well, oh. isn't it? In this crazy world that we live in, we go to work like five days a week if you're lucky. You know, it's very hard to get your runs pushed in and this, and to take all of those that anorak off, mm-hmm. just take the chains off, actually, mm-hmm. or open your wings and just fly, like, mm. and make that sound simple. But is there's a, there has to be an element of freedom with that? Oh, absolutely, and you know, and it's and it's beautiful because it it doesn't have to be anything over the top or crazy or difficult or challenging or painful or, you know, you, if you really listen to, you know, people on social media and the people that are really getting a lot of the, the volume, you know, you'd like to think that this sport, we are giants, we are, we're gladiators, we, you know, we don't feel pain like the rest of everybody else. And that's, that's crap. You know, yes, we do. <laughs> you know, we just process it differently, you know, and I think that's the difference. And when you end up having too many balls in the air, if I had to go ahead and do all the planning with all the stays and what we're having for dinner and I'm running out of this product and what all the things, right? Then it becomes quite complex and you don't get to kind of dwindle it down to being something pure and simple as I'm just a guy going for a jog. You know, that's that's all I'm doing every day and, and staying within a certain, you know, you, you wouldn't even look at your watch to take a look at your heart rate because you knew kind of where you were at. You wanted to stay in zone one all the time and for the whole 67 days I never came out of zone one once and you know you were staying in a place where it was achievable and you were comfortable enough to get out the next day and to do it all over again so you I think I think the key to something like this is you you dwindle it down and you eliminate the complexities so you can make it as simple as possible because it needs to be simple for something so complex to happen. Dave, it, it sounds like quite a metaphor for life <laughs> without yeah, getting yeah, too deep yeah. into things. Yeah. Because especially the older you get and life is very complex with all the distractions day in, day out and all our notifications or whatever's going on. What you're ex- describing to me is exactly where I'm at at 47 years of age and you're trying to bring it all down and simplify it everything as much as possible so you get the most out of today and you can get up and enjoy tomorrow in the same way so it's very similar to that oh it's yeah but isn't that the metaphor for life running and difficult things and if you go dwindle everything down robbie to you know like i invite every one of your guests to listen to full catastrophe living 
by John Kabat-Zinn, and it's 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 about life and stress. Like life is a freaking catastrophe, you know. <laughs> but but it doesn't need to be stressful. And you know, there's all these really simple mindfulness concepts and meditation and and body checks and you know acceptance and letting go of concepts and and non-striving, like non-striving, like for crying out loud, let's let's talk about that for a second. I mean, I'm, I'm running through nine provinces across Canada, right? 7,159 kilometers. And, you know, I get done four provinces and I get to the biggest province, which is Ontario. And now in in Canada, we when you enter into a province along the Trans-Canada Highway, they have these kilometer markings that you know, count down or up how many kilometers you have remaining until you get to the next provincial border, right? Uh-huh. And so the very first kilometer marking that I see after traveling across four provinces is 2,180 kilometers. <laughs> and you're like, there's no way. And, you know, I remember stomping my feet on the ground saying, no, no, this is, this is unreasonable. I'm, I haven't even gotten to the western side of Canada yet. Like, this is still in eastern Canada. And it's ridiculous. But, you know, I think everybody, everybody in the world, you know, when they think about how far they need to go, you tend to just go sit on the toilet and scroll through Instagram for the next two hours of your life because it's daunting and intimidating, right? But, you know, there's a mindfulness, back to mindfulness for a second, there's a mindfulness concept called non-striving. The best way to get there, so the best way to get there is to be here. So everybody seems to think that runners strive, right? We get up in the morning and we do the things that you need to do that are necessary in order to get you where you need to go because your goals are important. But best runners in the world, in, in my opinion, don't think too far in advance. They're they're present. You know how do you eat a how do you eat an elephant in little bites, right? And so you don't ever think, okay, I've got to run to the next provincial border or you know Victoria, right? Or the next provincial border or the next city or whatever. You're like, am I okay right now? And you're you're okay enough, and you can run to the next power pole or whatever. And you know there's a lot of power poles between here and the next provincial border. And before you know it, you're like, oh. Okay, well, that wasn't that wasn't so bad. That wasn't as bad as you make it out in your head, and you, then you get to realize that I don't need to run to the next provincial border. I just gotta take this one step or this one breath, and I'm okay. And, and that's a key thing that you learn, isn't it? Especially through ultra running. Um, yeah, is that when you feel like the wo- the wheels are coming off in a race, or you're running a marathon or something like that? You've actually only slowed like 15 seconds a mile or 30 seconds a mile. Yeah. And this little panic mode kicks in, oh, no, I can't. But actually, it's all about just accepting how you're feeling right now mm-hmm. and managing through that. Yeah. And once That word acceptance to me is is the key thing that running, especially long distance, has taught me and that has helped me through every aspect of my life, really. Because you might be feeling really shit right now, but as long mm-hmm. as you can accept that, then it's fine. And it doesn't really matter what the situation is. And it's not always easy to do, but I think learning to accept where we are and actually not thinking ahead and just dealing and managing what you're going through right now. Oh, no question. My mum said to me, she's got, my mum's uh, full of wisdom. Um, one thing that will always stick with me, she says, learn to love the problem that you're in, son. Because it, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because once you get through this problem, the next problem comes and the next problem comes. And that, that's an element of acceptance as well. Like, Oh, that's, that's true. Isn't it true? Like, There's three certainties in life, right? Pain, yeah, uncertainty, and a tremendous amount of hard work. And that's it. And, you know, accepting the, the state for what it is, like this is this. If you're cool with this is this, then, then you're cool. The opposite side to that not cool is resistance. 
So as mm. soon as you start resisting that, your mind amplifies it and starts attacking it and puts a spotlight on it. So yeah. if you looked at that sign, it said 2,000 feet and you weren't able to accept that, yeah. and you were able, you start going, oh shit, like there's no way I can do that. And you start resisting <laughs> yeah. that. It might as well be 200,000 kilometers. That's how your mind starts attacking it. Oh, and I was thinking, even, even going into my run and you know, like, okay, there are three key points where acceptance was really, really important in that process. And that's something that John Kabat-Zinn within his teachings really teaches is acceptance is like one of these really key mindfulness components. You know, the first week, the very first day that I was running, I started coughing and guess what? I got COVID. You're know, like, oh, bloody hell. Now, okay, to all of your listeners, I tested negative for COVID, but you know, I lost my taste and my smell and I had three temperature at night. And like, I, if it smells like a dog and barks like a dog, it's a dog, right? <laughs> And so, you know, the thing is, okay, well, I'm quarantining, I'm running alone on the highway. So I'm kind of quarantining anyway. And so, okay, let's just do this. Let's, let's see how this goes, right? And so you, I, I think the thing is, is resistance. You know, like you were saying about, you know, resisting what you believe to know to be true. Like if I were to listen to the news all the last many years, about COVID, you cannot exercise through with COVID, you know? And I was like, well, okay, the beginner's mind, right? The beginner's mind tells me that I know nothing. You know, we, we all kind of know nothing. We all have this bias and we all have already made out our truth in advance and, you know, and so it's like, okay, well, has anybody tried to run 105 kilometers a day for, with COVID? No, let's, let's see how it goes. You know, let's, and you know what, in like three days, it might be terrible. I might need to circle back and start all over again in two more weeks, but you know, let's see how it goes. And, and you know what? It, yeah, it did suck. I was about to say it wasn't that bad. It did suck. But it was almost a bit of a blessing in disguise because 20 days later, you know, when you're having a bad moment, you could always look back to the first week and go, well, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as that. Yeah. 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 There's something about that, isn't it, though? You know, you can always, yeah. you've always got that point in some sort of race that you can look back on and think, well, it wasn't as bad as that. And for some yeah, reason, we've all done your mind things. lets your mind lets you go on, doesn't it? It's incredible, right? You know, we we tend to think that things are going to be a lot worse than what they are, and then when something's really bad, you're like, "Huh, okay, I'm I'm kind of okay here. Like I'm I'm not I'm not at my best, but I'm I'm good enough to keep going." And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just kind of beautiful. The second part, I guess, is is where you know acceptance was was really needed was. You know, like, let's face it, Robbie, nobody ever goes into these runs, you know, completely healthy. You know, you always have little niggles because I was, I was running 250, 300 kilometers a week in order to be fit enough to even consider doing this. Right. But you jump ahead and the first week is 740 kilometers and the next week is 740, 740, 740, 740. Like, it's intense. You, there's, there, <laughs> on, to be honest with you, there's no way That's that anybody could be... Oh yeah. There's no way that anybody could be fit enough to, to, to be, to start this. The only thing you could do is start and then gain fitness as you go. So the first week will prepare you for the second week and whatnot, but you know, the camber on the road, you know, all roads are sloped, right? And so all the rain comes down and it has to sweep off the roads and the camber of the roads in the East coast of Canada are a lot worse than the, than the West coast of Canada. So they're about 3% and so, or three degrees. And so, you know, because of that, in the narrow shoulders, I always had to run into traffic because I was terrified of getting run over by a vehicle that I didn't see coming up from behind me because everybody's texting and driving these days, right? And so because of that, my foot was really 
getting really pissy mm. all across Newfoundland. It took me nine days to get across Newfoundland to get onto the mainland. And um, all throughout that, my foot was getting worse and worse every day. And then there was one day in Nova Scotia, well, close to New Brunswick, where you felt this step shift where in your foot and it really started, you know, getting quite inflamed at night and it was very painful. And you, you knew that you broke your foot. You knew that there was a fracture in, in either talus or navicular. And the MRIs after showed it was a, it was a break in navicular um, and plantar fasciitis and all the things, right? Um, but you know, from that you point are, forward, you're a sport, you're a sports therapist, like, so that's why you might <laughs> know oh, what, yeah. were, what was going yeah. on. Yeah. You end up, you know, it again, if it barks like a dog and, you know, pants like a dog, it's it's a dog. And you're like, well, okay. But you got to accept that. And you got to think like, okay, this is this, you know. Mm-hmm. And you knew you knew you weren't going to come out of this unscathed. You weren't going to come out of this with no injuries. Okay, you know, you, do you want an injury a thousand kilometers into the run or do you want it on the tail end? Of course you want it on the tail end. But this is this and you got to accept your current state. But there has, there has to be a lot of unknowns going into this because you've oh. never run 100K every single day, you know, so right. for two months. Um, right. how, how did you feel about that? Were you looking forward to it? Because we've read so many stories in the past that there's a, a local guy, Jerry Duffy, who'd done 32 marathons in 32 days way back in the beginning. And they just got stronger and stronger. And you, you, come, mm-hmm. you come to a place of like 20 marathons, all of a sudden he's running PBs or you've got Dean mm-hmm. Carnaz's his old stories as well, you know, and surprisingly, and it was all new to us back then, for some reason, this shift happens along the way that you, your mind sort of accepts it or something. I don't know what it is, but you actually get stronger going through that. And we've learned that history has told us that from these great stories that we've heard as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you're sort of hoping it happens to you <laughs> as well. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're hoping that it's going to happen because there, there's almost, there has to be a curve you know, where you start yeah. off because you're strong and all of a sudden you feel yourself starting to break and you're, you're wondering whether or not you can carry on. Then there's a bit of a, sh- it's a mental shift. There has to be a mental shift. Oh. Your body's breaking. Like, well, I think there's a mental shift and a physical shift. You know, I think that, like, I got to tell you, the, yeah, and everybody would agree. Pete Kostelnik, who's got the Trans-American Speed Record. And, you know, the first 10 days you feel injured. Like, every everything is telling you to stop your mind and everything. And to be honest with you, like, I believe in the in the model that we we adapt and we get stronger as we go. But um, I can tell you on day five, when I was running, I could still remember five days ago when I was sitting on my sofa eating breakfast cereal in complete comfort. And you, whatever whatever state you're in in the moment, you always compare it to the state that you would like to be. And I can remember five days ago, like Robbie, do you remember what you had for dinner last night? Indeed. Yeah, but do you, if you and if you thought about it. Do you remember what you had for dinner seven days ago? Yeah, you could probably, okay, I was with mm-hmm. Bill and we went for a run. Oh, yeah, we had, you know, tacos or whatever that night. But if I said, okay, what do you have for dinner two weeks ago? You wouldn't remember. The human mind doesn't remember that far. And so five days into my run, seven days in my run, I still remember what comfort felt like. But 27 days into my run, people would ask me, hey, wouldn't you love to feel comfort? I'm like, I don't even remember what that is. Right. And so you have to run long enough to not remember anything else. And so, you know, but to go to answer your question about the transformation, to be honest with you, like, so my strength coach, Carla Robbins, did a really cool blog post about um, my training peaks data. And almost right away, like every single number in training peaks was like, stop, what are you doing? 
like the suffer score was 400 and a good and the li- the limit is 400 so it was way beyond that like it was like whatever you're doing stop it like stop 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 but what was cool was my experience was the second week was a lot easier than the first week and the third week was a lot easier than the second week and you know i've always believed that there was you know like fit really fit kind of ungodly fit and then and there's something else beyond that that science doesn't understand and now i get it like i understand what that is because i would say probably 25 to 30 days in i started feeling at the end of the day actually really a lot better than the beginning of the day like i felt no fatigue at the end of the days and you're like okay this doesn't make any sense and so my first thought was because i'm a greedy bugger is that i want to run more okay i'm like 100 and 500 and 607 kilometers a day wasn't enough. But the problem is, is you need sleep and you need time to eat and you need time for body care at night. Because if you start taking away from that and getting a bit too greedy, you still have another 30 or 40 days to go. But my experience was as I was running across Ontario and Manitoba and Saskatchewan, is that I had very little, if not any fatigue at the end of the day. And I got really cocky, Robbie. I was thinking, man, you know, this country's not big enough. Like I'm, I could, I could keep going forever. <laughs> but the problem is, is that I got to Alberta with two provinces left to go, my home province of Alberta. And very quickly, you, I think every physical effort has a limit. Humans are limited, right? Now our limits are way beyond what we, what we, what we believe. But when you come close to that limit, you, you know it. And even my Training Peaks data, Carla wrote about this you see the step shift in the last 15 days of like, oh, is Dave going to make it? And life got pretty sucky. And then that's when things got really hard. And you're like, okay, I was so cocky a few days ago. And now I'm kind of living in despair here. Like, am I going to be able to, to hold on here? And uh, yeah, yeah, luckily I was. But, but going back to your, 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 your question, Robbie, I am so happy that, you know, once in my life, I was able to experience that extreme feeling of bliss of, i was uh, gonna say bliss it's a it's elation it's like oh my goodness this is what this is yeah and i don't know if i'll ever get back there i don't want to say i can relate because people will, will laugh at me like but for some reason when i'm when i'm doing like as i said i was in utmb there and only done 80k but the first 40k of that event i really struggled mm. to compete i just wanted to pull out i said like, i haven't done any training what am i doing here blah blah mm. blah I didn't want to. I was just listening to the record that was going over in my head. And I was like, would you mm-hmm. ever shut up? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was, it was quite yeah. exhausting. And yeah. for some reason, I got past the 40K mark. It just lifted. And then I was like, happy days. Now I can enjoy it. And I, I really enjoyed the second half of that. You know, you sort of got lost. You get lost in the moment. That's why I love the, the long endurance stuff. <laughs> I was really looking forward to this because there's, there's something... It's a reminder for people that are out there and hopefully are listening to this, you know, that that's what I really want to get from that. What we've just talked about is that just you have to learn to ignore those little voices that are going on in your head and even the feelings that you're getting. Yeah. And don't be afraid to to push on through that because pain is pain. Pain is different. There's a a pain that comes out of fear, which is false. That's exactly right. Learning the difference between the pain in your foot, that's a sharp pain, that's acute, you know, that's pain, that's a different thing. But um, when, you're, when you're afraid of things, you can feel all these ghost niggles all over your body and this is aching and that's aching. You don't, uh, 
but actually then after a while that starts to lift and you do start feeling quite elated and free from that. Well, I agree, Robbie. And I think that, you know, you bring up a good point about fear and, and, and anger and anxiety and, and all the, you know, like when, when you start feeling that you start to close in and you start to believe what's, you know, what those first voices that are in your head to be true. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's not about ignoring it. It's looking past it, past it and looking for something else. And so, so whenever I'm running, I've got four animals with me. Right. And so you got number one is you got your salamander. When I'm running on the highway, there's always four animals within sight. And so my salamander is right on my left side of my brain in between my skull and my brain. And he's always whispering to me, but because he's ripped side my ear, he's so freaking loud. Right. And he's always whispering to me little messages of that I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, and people don't like me. He's a defeatist, right? He tells you to go sit down when times get tough. And, you know, he's pathetic. That's the only word I can use for him is he's pathetic, but he's loud and he never, ever shuts up, ever. He never, ever shuts up. But I found the best way, and I find that most people listen to that salamander or whatever that animal is for you. and, And you take that as God's honest truth. That that's that's the only thing, right? But you know, it's it's important to look past that guy and look up in the sky. And I always have an eagle flying well above my head. And my eagle is stoic and he's cool and he's calculated and he's it's you know the, he's 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 just like hey, relax, man. It's all good. And you could see that he sees something from the distance where he's flying at, a, at an elevation. He sees something in the distance you can't see from where you are on the ground that's worthwhile paying attention to and going and getting. And so, you know, it doesn't make the salamander shut up, but it makes you look past him to something, right? And then you got your freaking coyote. And my coyote's always running beside me in the ditch and in the woods. And he's always coming up and biting my ankles, my hips and my knees. And, and he draws blood and he hurts, right? And, you know, he's a real asshole, my, my coyote. And he never, ever stops biting. And it's really important to know, too, that he never, never makes eye contact with me because he doesn't respect me. Uh, but you know who he does make eye contact with and who he does respect is that big, big black fire breathing dragon up in the sky because he's a big black fire breathing dragon, right? Because he, he demands respect and he's always flying in the distance, this big, big black fire breathing dragon. And I've come to realize that I'm not afraid of him, right? Um, I'm not afraid of him because he is me and I'm him. And the distance between me and the dragon in the distance, kind of doing figure eights up in the sky, is a distance that I create because I'm uncomfortable being confident and capable and strong and powerful and brave and all the things that I I know that I am, but I'm very Canadian. You know, you're like, oh, no, you know, oh, shucks, right? But I know I'm all those things, right? And so ultimately, when I was running across Canada, he would always be in the distance and he's a reminder right? But what was really cool was nearing the end of the run, you know, that dragon was not in the sky. He was within my heart. He was, he was in me. And ultimately when that dragon's within you, you know, when you're a big black fire breathing dragon, you don't listen to a stupid salamander whispering, you know, stupid, you know, meaningless words in your ear. It doesn't matter. So yeah, those are my four animals, man. Um, yeah, we definitely and, didn't you know, do that it, last time. <laughs> no, no. But what's really cool is it, it's making sense of a caricature and and voices within you like my coyote is obviously my relationship with pain and i've been bitten tens of thousands of times but i've never ever 
been taken down. And I spend a tremendous amount of time throwing rocks and kicking and screaming and yelling at this coyote to go away. And he never goes away, ever. He'll be there the rest of my life. Like he is a certainty in life is, is pain. Pain will always be here and, you know, just deal with it. Yeah, I used the word ignore there, which was the wrong word. It should have been process. <laughs> Because that's what we're talking. Yeah, that's what we're really talking about, isn't it? Um, when those voices are mm. happening, you need a you need a, a method of processing that and working through that. Um, and mm. the more you go into that, and the more you break it down, then the more experience you've got, and the easy, not easier it becomes, but you find a way to channel through that, which allows you to move forward. Then, and no doubt, that's the beauty of ultra running, I suppose. And it was one of one of the aspects of when I was in UTMB was um, I was I wasn't ready. It wasn't even the physical. Mm. It wasn't the physical training that I was worried about. It was actually the mental training because I hadn't raced in like three yeah. years, and I went, "I'm mm -hmm. not ready to go there because I haven't. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think I've got the mental strength to." Because mm. it, it unfortunately, it's not something like it's just like a muscle, isn't it? You know, it's not oh. something that you build up and then you've got at that level for the rest of your life. It goes down again mm -hmm. if you don't utilize it and don't use that. Then it goes down That's again. Exactly. And yeah. so you have to exercise and get yourself into those difficult situ situations and work through that. And that's equally as important as going into the strength conditioning or doing your miles on the road. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, Robbie, like I, I've got a, a term that I like using in regards to, you know, just everything that you said there. And it's distress tolerance. Right. And so if you think about, you know, we run up hills in order to get better at running up hills. We eat more food while we're running in order for gastric emptying and, 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 and abdominal distress. Uh, we do all these different things, but yet when it comes to processing, instead of ignoring pain, right? Okay, how do we process this? How do we process distress? Because ultimately, ultra-endurance running, what's so cool is, you know, Robbie, I guarantee you in your life, you're going to have distress. I wish nothing but you know, a healthy, happy, struggle-free existence for you. But guess what? It ain't happening. You know, this is life and life is life is struggle. When you struggle, you heavily rely upon your dist distress tolerance. And there's no better method in this world, I find, that, that in training that is intentionally going out and paying far too much money for a race to, <laughs> to, to voluntarily put yourself into a position where you're like, okay, here we are. This is this. Uh, how, how am I going to process this? And every time you go out there, in my opinion, you, you, you tend to understand and process things better and differently. That's going to ultimately lead you to a place when down my life, later in my life, when I get a diagnosis for a terminal you know, disease or I have people around me that are really struggling or I'm going through mental distress, um, I can better handle this because of the things that I learned, you know, 80 miles into that last hundred mile race. It is. It's it's, a, it's very empowering, isn't it? Though when you when you break through those things, mm. you do carry those for, those things oh. forward. Um, and life life is just one big storm. Not one big storm. Sorry, it's a series of storms that are actually no doubt. sculpturing us into this into the person that we are. And, and and that magical world that we all like to live in. I would say we actually wouldn't want to live there <laughs> if mm. we had no problems mm. and no stresses. I think that you wouldn't mentally you wouldn't be growing you wouldn't grow as an individual and you would find it quite a boring place without all of this adversity and adventure oh yeah so coming back to the event it sounds like a game of two halves that happened or or at least i can break it down to more than two halves so the, the first half of the actual um don't even know what to call it i'm gonna call it an adventure <laughs> um, yeah 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 
you talked about the first 10 days, you know, you're feeling quite broken through that and you start to get past that and you, you got that runner's high then of just enjoying and going out and running. Um, mm -hmm. Can you think of any period during the first half, sort of any lows or high points um, that sort of stand out in your memory? Yeah, you know, I think that a lot of the high points were a lot of the experiences that I know that I'm going to hold the rest of my life. You know, coming over top of a ridge and overseeing Lake Superior going off into the distance for, well, for, for 700 kilometers. Um, or running into uh, Quebec and running into the St. Lawrence Seaway and turning left. You know, there were definitely these points in time where you had these experiences that you thought, this is so unique. This is so cool. And I feel so Canadian at this time. You know, I've always prided myself as being a very proud, proud Canadian because I, you know, I think Robbie, both you and I live in two, you know, very beautiful countries. Very, we're very lucky to live where we are, but yet, boy, I, I've, I've experienced this to a degree that, you know, I, I can't experience it any better or different way. Um, you know, crew members along the way, helping me out, keeping things simple, keeping things, having a half of beer at night with my crew, you know, and, and talking about the day and poking fun at one another and, eating baked goods along the way from beautiful bakeries that are, you know, you know, like just giving you boxes and boxes of food. You know, I think that, you know, I could say that the struggles, you know, that, that the memories were really kind of wrapped up in a lot of the struggles. But, you know, I think that every time that I turned around and I questioned myself and said, okay, hold on, you know, this isn't as bad as I first thought it was going to be. And I'm, I'm okay here. And I think I'll be okay. And I'm just taking in this adventure for what it is. Like I'm here right now experiencing this for whatever this, I don't know what's happening in another hour and I don't, I don't care what happened last hour. You know, I think that those, those, it was those beautiful things, you know, it took me nine days to run, run across Newfoundland and the rugged hilly nature of Newfoundland, you know, four days to run across Nova Scotia, which was just beautiful. And Cape Breton Island is a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. New Brunswick took me five days, five days to get across Quebec 20 days to get across Ontario. You know, I think one of the, the key points was Canada is so big, 7,100 plus kilometers that there's one point in time where you're running across Ontario and you're not running always east to west. At one point I had to run north for five days to get around a lake. And so when you took, took like, a, like an outside, like a global view of Canada, you think it's straight across, right? But you know, it's so big that, you know, there's this lake, Lake Superior, that's in the way. You had to run five days north to get around it. And then it's so remote as well, too, that you're running for 100 miles and you don't see anyone. Um, and say they say that there's a town up ahead that's 1,000 people. There's no 1,000 people that live there. <laughs> um, there are only transport trucks taking goods from one place to the next. And that's all that you see. And it's, it's spectacular. Um, you know, running across uh, Ontario, I almost got across Ontario without real struggle until I, I was in um, Thunder Bay. And just on the east side of Thunder Bay is where the great Terry Fox ended up stopping his run back in 1980. He ended up uh, dying of cancer. And that's, you know, just a, an incredible Canadian story that's taught me a lot as a Canadian. So for, for, those, that the, don't, for those that don't know, um, Terry Fox yeah. actually lost his leg to cancer. Um, yes. And then he tried, he attempted to, to run across Canada then um, with one false leg. With one leg. And he got, Absolutely. how far did he get 42 then? kilometers a day. 42 kilometers a he day. He got to the east. Uh, yeah, he ended up getting uh, 4, just 000. over halfway. 
Yeah, about 4,000 yeah. feet. Yeah, yeah about 4,000 kilometers. But then what happened, in the, what ended up happening was, you know, that became, that created this incredible drive in Canada where you would end up seeing this guy hobbling along the highway. Like the guy wasn't even a runner to begin with. He was only mm -hmm. 20 years old, right? He's a kid, but yet the grit and determination within this guy, he teaches you something about the human nature of what we can do. And he, he wasn't going to stop. But unfortunately, he ended up getting to a point where the cancer spread to the rest of his body that he was lifted off of the highway. And he ended up dying not long thereafter um, because the cancer spread. But because of that, the Canadian Cancer Foundation, the Terry Fox Foundation, has ended up raising over $800 million um, for cancer research. And, and it's one of these things as a Canadian, we all, you know, we all respect and love the Terry Fox story. And so here I was out running on the exact same course that Terry was, and here I'm, you know, feeling bad about, you know, something that's going on. And you look up ahead and you see this hobbling guy, this, this figure of this hobbling individual. And you're thinking, I got nothing to complain about. I got, I really, I've got two legs to complain about here and a cancer free body. And so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's a great reminder of the things that we all are capable of and in the, in the human spirit. I remember following you um, day to day. Um, some of the times that you were posting was criminal. Like how your body mm. was able to, like, was that strategy or was it feel or, you know, you were just in the zone and whatever it was going to be, it was going to be. Um, but I don't think I'd ran, I've ran 100K as fast as you ran in any of those days. It was surprising to me, you know, because you obviously, you did talk about earlier on, you, you stayed in zone one, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, that you were running that pace in zone one because mm -hmm. that's very important isn't it to stop your body from breaking down not getting too carried away but mm -hmm. but your times were still crazy times on some of those what uh, do you know what your fastest 100k was do you have that stuff? oh you know not not 100k like i average 105.3 kilometers a day right at the beginning i was running 105s then i ran 106s then i ran 107s and a, a couple hundred and eights but I averaged, I averaged out 105.3 kilometers because the final day going into Victoria and getting off of the island in, 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 in Newfoundland were shorter days. But yeah, I think my fastest day was outside of the two shorter days, um, was 10 hours and 55 minutes, I think. And my slowest day was 11 hours and 39 minutes, I think. So there was very, very, very similar. And, you know, there were some days with a lot more climbing than others. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, number one is, you know, I had this course on my watch and, or on my wrist and you could always see your heart rate, but you kind of knew what it was. You know, if you're running up a hill and you're like, okay, I need to pull it back here. Um, you know, then you pull it back and you walk and you, you just keep it within, within reason. I think that like my fitness going in, I really, really, really focus on you know, that typical training model, that 80-20 training model, where you end up, you know, creating efficiency, but you're also creating an incredible mitochondrial load with doing that zone one training. So so there is there is a real beautiful science with that whole be patient enough with your long runs, but also don't be a coward during your speed work and your hill work because you really want to drive your system to create as much efficiency as you can. And so I think what ended up happening and, and, you know, there's some beautiful podcasts and some beautiful research out there when it comes to zone one training that you can end up building the zone one that you go a bit quicker and a bit quicker and a bit quicker and a bit quicker. 
at an at a, yeah. at a relative efficiency where you're you know i was typically 125 127 beats a minute all throughout the day on average and that kept me in that zone where i was like man i'm cool like at any time i could run faster but why and so you know i think i don't think i could have run across the country as i did when i you know 10 years ago when i was 32 years old because i didn't have the maturity and the patience to be able to sit back and go relax dave you know it's a big country you know um because at any one time you're like i want to go i want to do this you know you get inspired you start running with somebody who oh that wants to go and you're like i want to go too you know but it's like relax you know it's it's an entire country um you know you you have to sit back and eliminate your ego from from the equation i i think and trust in science and yourself the first time I saw read about that was Rich Rolls Find an Ultra, you know, and it was all about the long term plan. Mm. You, know, you know, think two, three years down mm. the road and train in your zone ones and zone two. And I remember I was I'd just come back from injury and I was running in zone one or two, can't remember, it was like hundred and thirty beats. And I started out ten minute miles, quite a hilly route. And by the end of the month, mm-hmm. end of the month or two months, whatever it was, I was down to eight minutes fifteen and I was still staying at hundred and thirty beats. Did you find that transition mm-hmm. help then? Because you were two months. Did you feel that improvement? I suppose. Well, you must have. Like your endurance must you must have been building the whole time. Because um, you're you're staying low enough you not to break down. How did you see that transpire? Did your heart rate change or anything like that, or pace increase, or what happened? Yeah, my uh, over time, especially during the first. 10 days or so because of my COVID symptoms, my heart rate was quite elevated. And so, you know, I always thought that, okay, my, all my days, I, you know, I'm going to run 105 kilometers and I'm going to keep it within 60% of my capacity. And so, because you're doing this again tomorrow and the next day and the next day, but, you know, I found during the first 10 days that it was really a big struggle because I needed to still get the 105 done and so it's really right at the very top end of my zone one where i did i wanted to be a lot less but hey you know what you know plan the run run the plan don't fall in love with the plan this is new you have to figure this out i found that as i went through nova scotia new brunswick quebec ontario um my heart rate was going from you know 129 132 down to 127 even down to 121 um, that my pace, my, my fitness was building as I was running. But the problem was, is my, the breakdown in my body when it came to weakness within tissues, I know it sounds funny and you think, oh, I'm running, I'm going to be strong. Well, but I'm not doing strength training, Impact. right? So you have to remember that I'm, that I'm weakening. And also my broken foot was getting the better of me most of the days. Cause you're like, okay, you know what? I'm losing spring in through three big springs of your body or your big toe, your Achilles tendon, your glute max. And so I'm losing spring upon two of those major springs. And so my pace would drop, but my effort was lowering and I couldn't really make up for the, so ultimately when you go back to that question before acceptance, right? You have like, okay, I have to accept this, right? Because my body, my muscles and my joints weren't allowing for a faster pace. So you just got to be cool with this. I can't force it, right? Um, this is what, what it is. And so you're right, the, the, the fitness was building, the heart rate was lowering, but the body breakdown was worsening. And so you had to kind of balance out all three of those pieces and let one go 
to draw more attention to to another just about listening to your body and what it's telling you as well isn't it and just managing through that um listening to your gut so yeah. what, what what happened in the evening time then so you finish you'd finish your 106k you stop your watch you know you're stepping out of the ring because <laughs> that's what it's mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. um and you're going mm -hmm. to your crew for guidance and advice because they're sort of planning and arranging everything what did you do to recover mm -hmm. and get ready for the next day because it had to be an important part of your day oh yeah so we stayed in a hotel close by to where we uh, finished every day. My girlfriend, Lana Ray, would book that well in advance. And it was kind of intimidating, too, to have like hotel, you know, reservations for 14 days in advance. You're like, oh, I, I need to be within 10 kilometers of that hotel in 14 days. And you're like, okay, well, that's a bit intimidating, but whatever. And so I would get into the crew vehicle after stopping my watch and physically marking the area and put, turning off my Garmin in reach for, for the um, live tracker. And, you know, we would drive to the closest hotel. At that point, I'm already taking in 1,000 to 2,000 calories of food, um, an equivalent of maybe about 80 grams of protein um, in that moment. And so I get to the hotel, you know, basically, again, I'm being treated like a toddler. Um, so I go in and shower because I smell terrible. Um, and as I get out of the shower, I'm already doing body care work. I'm working on releasing tissue, um, activating muscle, um, stretching, you know, all the things. And I spend maybe about half an hour doing that because it's really important because it's top of mind as well too. This ankle, this knee, this left hip, all the things. And so then food gets arrived, arrives at the hotel room uh, from like skip the dishes or, you know, uh, DoorDash or whatever. And I'm, then I get into my Normatec recovery pants and those are like amazing things. Um, and I'm not sponsored by them or anything, so it's not a, not even a plug, but um, just those squeezy pants, right? And everybody's um, Googling, it. Everybody's Googling it now, though. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so then I, I eat my body's weight worth of food. And, you know, you, um, you're basically so tired that you're falling asleep while eating. Um, you know, you have food in your mouth while you're asleep, which I'm sure my dentist now is like, dude. Like you have like a gazillion cavities, but whatever. Um, and that's it. You know, like if you're not running, you're eating. If you're not eating, you're sleeping. Um, you know, and you're trying to get in 9,000 calories of food a day. You're trying to get in, you know, as much sleep as you can. I was averaging seven hours of sleep a night, which is so important for recovery. But um, yeah, that's, you know, and, and to be honest with you, every day looked 99% of the, the day after. So it was like you plan you know, you schedule this and you do all the things you have to do and none of the things you want to do because, you know, again, you know, your reward is more important than, than, than survival. Um, this reward is really important to me. So you, you, you do all the things that are necessary. How did you find your gut then taking on so much food, 9,000 calories? Yeah, I think all my running life, you know, I've come to realize you know, that this is more of an eating contest than it is a running contest, the sport of ultra marathoning. So, you know, like you can train your gut, you can train your gut to process food. Um, and so like my goal was 240 grams of protein a day. And that's tough to take in when you're running protein is, um, but yet while you're running, you can eat a tremendous, you know, four or 500 calories an hour, uh, when you're in zone one. And so, um, yeah, processing that amount of food at the end of the day, you're tired of eating you know, and you're tired of eating high fat, 
high carbohydrate, high protein foods. You're just, you know, I, to be honest with you, I really missed salad, you know, like the crunch of salad and, but yet, you know, it wasn't efficient enough. And so what, what type, what type of foods after the are you eating then? What type of food? Any comfort Anything foods. at all, pizza? Yeah. Like a, at all. At, oh yeah. Pizza. <laughs> you know, I really liked lasagna. I really liked like pot roast or um, sausage and, and, and pierogies um, at night, kind of any comfort foods, shepherd's pie, um, sushi, whenever he came to a city that could, you know, you can get sushi. I wanted tons of sushi. Um, you know, during the day, you know, it was a lot of real foods like sandwiches, um, you know, uh, um, you know, my favorite thing was bakery items. Mm. So, you know, like muffins and, and cupcakes and, and cinnamon buns and, and lemon loaf. And, you know, my favorite part was when my crew members would show up and they had this big box from the local bakery and they're like, check this out. I'm like, oh, and so you're stuffing it all into your bags and you're running and you're just eating. And you're thinking like, okay, we're not going into next another major setter for like a, a while. So I need to let this last, but you know, you, you eat it while it's there, especially proper baked goods, not like the baked goods that you get at the grocery store that it lasts for like two weeks. It expires in a day or two. Did you have and to, so you have to and did you it. have to manage your weight then make sure you weren't losing too much weight or anything? Cause 9,000 calories, you must've been burning. What were you burning? Mm-hmm. Six, seven, 8,000 calories a day. Yeah. Six point six fifty six thousand five hundred to seven thousand. Yeah, so I still lost eighteen pounds on the run. Um, I thought I was going to lose about thirty, so I was quite happy about that. Um, but to be honest with you, like I probably shouldn't say this to your listeners, but it is a lot easier running light, um, even though I was probably you know borderline too light um, at the end. But you know, it is nicer running up climbs when you when you are skinnier. Um, but you know, I think that you, no matter what, you're going to lose a lot of weight during an event like this. It's just, it's the way it goes. So talk to me about the last 10 days then, cause you said it's sort of hmm. the clouds started moving in for a better way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The last 10 days, the last nine days were spent in, 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 you know, running away from my hometown of Calgary, Alberta and towards Victoria. And still at that point, you still have to go over the, the Canadian Rockies you know, Kicking Horse Pass, Rogers Pass, the Coca-Cola Highway. I mean, these are monster climbs that go on for like 40 kilometers. Um, and it was, it was tough. You know, you really had to dig deep. You know, your, your fatigue was very real. I kept thinking, okay, Dave, you're making this up. You smell the barn, you smell the hay in the, in the barn at the end. You know, you, you know that the fend is coming. So there you're, you're letting down your guard, but I think it was very, very physical. Um, and so, Definitely every day I needed to keep my head down and remain focused and not think too far ahead at like at, at the mm. finish line. I still had a lot of work to do every day in order to finish this, in order to get up the next day to do that. And so I needed to stay very, very focused. I was getting a lot of messages from friends I'm like, oh my goodness, Dave, this is going to happen. I'm like, okay, relax. Like I've, I've still got a lot of time between here and, and there. Um, so it was still a lot of, you know, those tactics that got me this far mm. of being present in the moment. But, you know, and, and as well, too, I, was, I, I had my map out for 66 days. So, so I, when I constructed my mapping, um, my map that I constructed was my goal was 66 days. The Trans-Canadian speed record was 72. And, you know, my crew members called me one day and it was almost like this intervention. It was really weird. 
were really worried about my, what my response was going to be. And they said, Dave, we got some bad news. You're not going to finish in 66 days or you're going to finish in 67 days. And I was like, oh, okay, well, well, why? And they said, have you, have you looked at your mapping? And I said, well, yeah, kind of. And they said, like your mapping, the further you go into the run out west is terrible. Like, you know, there are some days that it's not 105 kilometers, it's like 60 kilometers. And the other days are like 150 kilometers. Like it's all over the fricking place. Like what, what's up with that? So you're going to finish in 67 days if you continue the 107, 108 kilometers a day that you're pushing right now. And they were expecting me to be upset about this, but I said, well, okay, well, I'm not upset about this because I know the truth behind my mapping. And the truth behind my mapping is the mapping, mapping a country when you're running for 67 days of 105 kilometers a day is intimidating as hell. You know, <laughs> like there's nothing more scary in the world than that. Right. And so, you know, remember when I was mapping, I had my computer out and you're doing your mapping and you know, what really, that really calming down that, 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 that fear was alcohol. And so I would end up pouring a beer and you have, you know, like, okay. And then you get through the province and you're like, okay, let's get into the hard stuff. So I was drinking bourbon and you know, the bourbon turned into like old fashions. And after a while, I think I was drinking right out of the bottle. So basically the whole mapping across the country, I did it really drunk. <laughs> and so, you know, the further West, it was messy because like I was, I was hammered at that point. And so they were laughing they were like, oh my God, Dave, like it's terrible. I'm like I don't. This I don't was care. this was during it the mapping process, not the running process. Just to make that clear. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, this was years in advance, years before. And so they were like, "Hey, Dave, you're going to get this done in 67 days and roughly 10 hours if you keep going at the pace you're going." And I said, "Okay, cool." So you know, I got to tell you, coming down off the Coca-Cola Highway into Hope, BC, that means that then it's like a 45 kilometer downhill. Um, it, you the Canadian Rockies are now behind you. And now you're in the Fraser Valley to finish off the run into Vancouver, take the ferry over. And then it's a 35 kilometer run on the ferry over to, to Victoria to finish the run at, at mile zero at the Terry Fox monument in Victoria, BC. And I got to tell you that it's, it was the greatest feeling. Mm. I, I I'll never forget the feelings of completing this run. I'll never feel that good ever again in my life i'll never feel that strong and capable and powerful euphoric and dominant euphoric is the word isn't it euphoric and so i gotta tell you robbie i'll be honest with you like okay so we run up to the ferry terminal we get on the ferry we had this you know armored police escort as well too it was kind of crazy like it was pretty nuts the final couple days but you get on the ferry, you get off the ferry. I talked to my kids and everything on the ferry. Get off the ferry and you only have 35 kilometers left to run. And the media all throughout this entire run kind of ignored me, and which was great because I didn't reach out to them. Like, I'm not the guy that's going to say, hey, you need to pay attention to what I'm doing. Um, as well, too, we didn't have a national fundraising campaign. We didn't have an awareness campaign that I needed to drive attention to. This was just simply a, a personal goal. But, you know, the media got heard of, heard of this and now they really all showed up on Vancouver Island. And I was really happy that that they stayed the hell away the last 67 days because it's exhausting, man, the media. Like I it's it's tough. So the last 35 kilometers as I'm running, it was actually quite. You know, I got thinking a lot, Robbie, about. All the feels, you know, like that dragon was no longer in the sky, that dragon was here in my heart. And I came to realize that I would never feel this good ever again in my life. 
you know, and that's a, that's a pretty weird feeling. You know, I got to tell you, like, to know that, like, we all look back at our life at our glory days, but to know that your glory days are in, in the next many hours, like that's, that's a really weird feeling. And so here I was with, you know, broken foot for the last 6,000 kilometers and everything. Like I, I, I hurt and I really wanted to stop running. I was looking forward to not running the next day. Um, but then on the other hand, I also knew that I would miss this feeling forever. And so I talked myself into when I was out running on the highway, I talked myself into keeping it to myself, but running around the Terry Fox monument, turning around and going back to St. John's simply because I didn't want this feeling to ever end. And I, you know, it was a choice. Like I, if I stop, I stop feeling like this and I'll never feel like this ever again. But if I continue, then I can continue this forever, right? I could keep feeling this way forever, you know, but and then, Robbie, that's such a stupid thing to say because, you know, then I saw the Terry Fox monument and I drew a straight line and I stopped because it was like, yeah, that's enough. Your body enough holds out, doesn't it? Like, so when you, you come to the end of these things, it doesn't matter whether it's yeah. a 100k race or no matter what, it doesn't even matter if it's a 5k race or whatever. You know, your body holds it all together. Yeah. And then as soon as you yeah. cross that line, it just purges the whole lot. Like a backyard's a good example of that. You know, oh. you go loop after loop after yeah. loop. And as soon as it's over, boom, everything just collapses, doesn't it? It just purges oh. out, which is, which is a fantastic yeah. thing yeah. as well. Um, I was trying to process what you were oh, saying to yeah. me there, and, and it's, it's a very hard thing to understand without actually going through that yourself and feeling that high that you had. Um, mm-hmm. It might have been the ultimate high, but there are still loads of highs that can continue on that you've had his, in all of these events that you've done, and you've, you've felt amazing in all of those. But this was just such an epic, mm-hmm. monumentous challenge. Mm personal challenge that you overcome yourself, especially after the adversity of everything that happened before to be able to pick it up and do that again. Mm-hmm. And like, even mm-hmm. <laughs> you got halfway last time, you have to do that half just to get to that point where you didn't yeah. <laughs> you can continue again, which was tough enough. But, th- but that's, um, that's a very privileged situation that you got to. You know, there's many, pe- many people Absolutely. will never get to that place. Yes, we have the other challenges and the other mm-hmm. highs, but maybe, to that moment, you know, because I talked to you earlier on about climbing the mountain 40 times and whatever uh, days there. Mm-hmm. Even I had that, you know, at the end of that. And it was quite magical at the end. And it was, an, it was a lovely high. Um, and it, it was quite a small challenge, you know. So there's, you, you still will continue to get these ama- amazing sensations right. and feelings. But the bigger the challenge, the bigger the reward. Oh, absolutely. And, but, you know, the bigger the risk, too, that it might not work. You know, I mean, I mean, back in 2018, when I made my attempt, like, this is my lifelong goal. You know, like, you know, it's like, we all have our goalposts. We all have our finish lines that we're anchoring to go get, right? And so this was my lifelong goal. And I knew that, you know, it doesn't get bigger than this. And I also understood that this is enough. You know, like, I'm not going to go do, try to do something bigger. Run on Mars. You know, I'm 42 years old. <laughs> Mike, yeah, exactly. Mike, 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 Mike Wardian, that's his yeah. goal. Mike Wardian's goal is to, to run around yeah, Mars yeah. or something. But I, I can't yeah, exactly, challenge that exactly. with Elon, it's, it's with Elon Musk about now. Anything's possible. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. 10 years ago, we would all laugh. Yeah, and now yeah. we're, we're, we're considering, right? 
but it's 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 a fascinating you know little you know, something that people don't think about you know it's that and it's something i didn't think about it either that a lot of people said dave after this run you know we're going to keep our eye on you and i was like oh relax because like i've never run a race and felt low after you know i've always felt really quite good but you know the the, the lows after the highs you know there is something to be said for that you know it's we all have this if we were to get where we want to go we have an image of ourselves in that state and so you know when it comes to body image and losing that weight or you know gaining that muscle or whatever or you know financial wealth or being happy in a relationship or you know athletic achievement we all have that snapshot of, of what that would be and you know i think it's really good to have that snapshot in the distance of something that you want to go and get what's really difficult is when you achieve it you know when you achieve it you come to realize that all the things that you ever thought in your life that when you get there you will not feel insecure you'll not feel this you'll always feel this you'll you know you become the thing and then you know the day after the run across canada when i achieved the thing you wake up in the morning and you're like huh I don't really feel any different. <laughs> like, oh, this is different. Okay. And now what do I have to reach for? Now I'm here. It's always nice to look somewhere to try to get crap. Okay. Now I'm here. Um, and it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey the last four and a half months, you know, because now you're kind of in this state of you're looking around and you're like, huh, Okay, like, how do I process this? As much as we were processing during the run about, you know, the dragon and the coyote and the salamander and all the stuff and all the mindfulness concepts of the non-striving and, you know, know, the best way to get there is to be here. Now I'm processing this, right? And it's it's been an interesting journey. I I would say, say I would say that's the burden of taking on a challenge so big is that it's so euphoric like it's nice when you've got progressional you do your half marathon you do your marathon you do your Mm. 50k then it's 100k you're always striving for the next big things and you're you're always feeding it you're feeding that hunger and it's quite easy to Mm -hmm. feed it at that and you're going to do a mountain 100k or you're going to do this and you're going to do that then maybe i'll do 200k or whatever that is but when you when you do seven thousand kilometers you know it's hard to go past that and to find because it's like a drug, isn't it? Like, but the, it's the purpose. It's finding that mm. purpose that's going to be as good and as equal to that. And because it really is a burden that comes comes with that. Burden's not the right word. I was looking for a word there, but um. But but you're right. I I can't think of the term either. But it's 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 a consequence, or it's a it it just happens. You know, you you aim you aim here, you get this, and now this is this. But you do yeah, life is a journey. But you do become a different person. Yeah. because of the process and that is the gift of of what it brings mm. brings to you as well i put a post up the other day about um climbing mountains and i said um you know the summit is only a brief moment in time the magic happens during mm. the climb it's it's during the yes. climb that the magic happens and all of those memories and that like it's it's gifted you that you know you you are yeah Mm-hmm. extremely privileged to be in a situation that you're able to run across Canada <laughs> in a record time. Yeah, absolutely. Even saying that in absolutely. one sentence is, sounds so bloody cool, like an awesome. <laughs> so absolutely. Absolutely. Have you anything next? We've talked about a bit of a low then that comes after that. I think we all feel mm-hmm. that we, we runners hear that all the time. Um, 
especially when you come out from niggles and stuff like that because your your foot was in the cast then after that and you can't really <clears throat> sort of exercise anything after that um have you anything in your mind that you would like to do any sort of purpose to help pull you forward or is there anything on the radar at the minute well, i think two things um you know I've, I've just signed up for my first two you know in my next 200 mile race uh, it's in it's it's in oh nine months from now so i've still got like I know I'm, I'm not, I'm not eager to race right now, but I know I will be then. So, you know, just prepare yourself that when, you know, you want to get back at doing things, you have things on the calendar. Right. But I think the big thing right now is, is take the gratitude for the, having the opportunity that I've had and transfer that to, you know, I took that for me. Now I've accumulated lessons and stories and interesting tales and now i want to give it to others um i want to pay it forward so i'm moving forward with coaching um you know with carla robbins that you know my strength and condition coach and physiologist um and you know i want to you know i want to help people get to where they need to go what no matter what that is um through some of the things that i've learned along the way that really helped me um, that I think that really is transferable. Um, you know, I'm writing a book right now. Um, and it's interesting, like it's, it's a struggle. Like I'm not a writer and, but you know, but it is quite enjoyable, you know, doing something that's outside of your craft. That's difficult. Um, you know, I know that there was, there was a filmmaker the entire time out across Canada, she's putting out a movie, um, in, I think it's May time. I think that's what, when she wants to get that done. So it's kind of cool. Like the camera was there the whole time. And I'm super curious to see what I look like on the other side of that camera. Cause I, I, for 67 days, I was always staring at that camera, looking at me, you know, so ultimately right now, I think it's, I think there's a lot of growth that could be, that can be had in storytelling and helping others because I've learned something really unique. And I would love to transfer that knowledge on to people who want to do, want to do great things. Well, hopefully we've done a bit of that today. I think we have. Um, mm. You took the words right out of my mouth when you mentioned the book because <laughs> who wouldn't want to read that book? Mm. He's fantastic. Not easy to write, mm. but I'm sure it's helping process what's happened, unpacking it, uh, you know, no by step by step. Um, coaching, if somebody wanted to contact you about coaching, how would they? Oh, so yeah, I'm starting coaching here on January 1st. Um, so, you know, just head over to my, you know, Facebook page or my uh, Instagram page. Instagram, I'm at, at Run Proctor is my handle. And yeah, on there on my dashboard thingy, I'm terrible at social media. On my dashboard thing, I have um, a link to, to the application for coaching. So, so check it out there, Distress Tolerance. That's, that's kind of the name of the game. You know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a fun journey to go on. And I, I, I can't wait to for people to ask me a question that they were kind of baffled and maybe have me be one step closer to to an answer dave that's fantastic um you didn't disappoint once again totally inspired <laughs> i do feel like going running the marathon or run might run across island tomorrow see how we get on but <laughs> do it yeah like a day yes. it's only like a day's run for you so it was all the size of our little country here how epic was that? Dave Proctor. It's always a pleasure getting the opportunity to talk to Dave. He presents a deep and meaningful approach to his running, which I find very interesting and engaging. Epic that he's sitting down to write a book, another thing in the future to look forward to. And once again, thanks everyone for following the podcast. If you have someone you'd like to hear, why not drop me a message on the inspirational runner at gmail.com or via our Facebook page, which has the same name. Thanks for listening. 
Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving. <laughs>